We are duck hunting fanatics. Knee deep in the duck blind. If it flies, it dies. Only duck hunting fanatics know what it feels like to see a brightly colored Drake Mallard cup its wings and soar towards your decoys. It's what we do and it's what we love. Duck hunting fanatics with boots on the ground, eyes in the skies reports. And we get it from professional duck guides all across the country. We interview them for their top tips and tricks from their years of experience from the duck hunting blind. This is Duck Hunting Fanatics, and this is Eric Wilkes. Greeting friends and fellow duck hunting fanatics. Eric Wilkes here with another episode of Knee Deep in the Hunting Blind, Knee Deep in the Duck Blind. And today we've got a, a special guest by the name of Trent Dirks, who's part of the Retrieving Freedom Inc. And we've got a, a array of topics that we're going to talk about today. Uh, but first off, you know, Trent, I want to thank you for taking time to be here. And secondly, I want to thank you for your service to our country. And thanks for being here. Absolutely. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, I know you're part of Retrieving for Freedom, uh, a part of Retrieving for Freedom, and you actually got a dog through them. Uh, and then you went to work for them. So, you know, how did you come to get exposed to Retrieving for Freedom? And, and what made you decide to go with them? And I know they helped you through, uh, I think, a little bit of a rough patch that you were going through uh, with PTSD a little bit. So let's just talk a little bit about you know, how you came to come across Retrieving Freedom and how that's helped you and impacted your life. Yeah, so I got involved or introduced to Retrieving Freedom in about 2015. Um, they had just opened a facility in Waverly, Iowa, and some of my clients uh, were actually fostering one of these dogs, and I kind of asked a few questions uh, vaguely, uh, but I didn't really understand what they did, um, just that they trained service dogs for veterans, and I wound up a few weeks after that losing my second friend to suicide in about a year and a half. Uh, and I was in a really bad place and something told me to stop by and check the place out. So I learned that Retrieving Freedom trained and placed service dogs for veterans with disabilities and children with autism and uh, that I qualified for a service dog being service connected. And uh, I didn't exactly know how it correlated to people that struggled with PTSD. I thought service dogs were pe for people with uh, mobility issues or physical limitations. Um, but having PTSD and social anxiety is a major um, mobility issue mentally. And so I wound up applying for a service dog. I met my service dog Tracer a couple months later. And he's just, I mean, I wouldn't be here today had I not walked into that facility and gotten Tracer. And he's just helped me overcome everything from, I mean, in 2015, I couldn't look anybody in the eye or have a conversation with people. I couldn't go to Walmart without having a panic attack. Uh, I, I was really isolating myself. I wasn't very involved with my son's life or as much as I would like to be. And Tracers just helped me in every aspect, getting sober, uh, getting more involved in my son's life. I go into the grocery store, grocery store gas station. Uh, me and my son go on a lot of adventures. Uh, I've been able to take him to professional sporting events and go to a school functions. 
And then it's come full circle for me. I started volunteering a lot for the organization so that I could give back to my fellow veterans and my kids uh, with autism. And uh, through that volunteering, I started a couple fundraisers and was asked if I would like to join the crew at Retrieving Freedom as an employee. Uh, and they offered me a job as the resource development coordinator. And now I'm the resource development director. So I've been with them as an employee for about 18 months now. Um, and it's just such a blessing to be able to wake up every day and uh, quote unquote, go to work and know that I'm giving back and helping other people out. So it's just, I mean, this organization and this dog is giving me my life back. That's awesome, man. You know, it's such an incredible story and I'm sure it's not, it's not an easy thing to talk about. It's never easy for anyone to, to talk about the traumas and things we've experienced in our lives, but we all have a story and it's great to hear you talk about it. And, and, you know, you seem like you're doing really well. You've come a long way I mean, you're standing here today, right? I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Uh, and on the flip side, I know you and I were talking a little bit before we got going on the podcast. Uh, that also kind of led you, if I remember right, to duck hunting a little bit and got you exposed to duck hunting and why you really, you know, from what you were saying, why you really got into it. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, one of the tasks that we train a lot of our service dogs to do, almost all of our veteran service dogs are trained to retrieve objects. And so as me and Tracer got to working together, and we were working through that. Um, our founder, Scott Dewey, asked me if I was interested in hunting. Um, Scott used to train field trial uh, retrievers, competition retrievers. And at this point in time, uh, I wasn't really interested in hunting anymore. I grew up hunting, but I just, with everything that I had been through, I wasn't, wasn't into it. And then he asked me, well, what if you had a dog to do it with you? And a light bulb kind of went off and said, well, maybe, maybe we'll see. So we had to teach Tracer how to hold objects and pick objects up, um, you know, in case I dropped something or had a hard time bending over and picking it up. So we walked through the process of, of retrieving, retrieving items and holding. And I was like, okay, well, what can I work on next? And he started giving me things to work on in the yard work of, you know, retrievers and pretty soon I was like okay what can I work on what can I work on it's like I don't have time so I actually went to work for his old assistant um training field trial retrievers for about four years part-time um putting in I don't know 20 to 30 hours a week doing that and he really helped me uh progress tracer through his training um marking handling steadiness and everything so I actually went to my first hunt test and ran him in a junior hunt test in the fall of 2016, um, met some guys from Delta waterfowl. And then I went on my first duck hunt in the fall of 2016, shot my first duck over tracer, tracer retrieved it. And I've been hooked on quack ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. And I like that hooked up, hooked on quack. That's a good way to put it. Uh, you know, and I, I got to tell you, being I, I've got a couple of hunting dogs myself, and there's nothing more exciting, I think, than, you know, having that companion there, number one, and number two, watching them work and the drive that they have. It's just unreal. And we've had quite a few guys that um, either own dogs or 
uh, at the very least have hunted over dogs and they know how exciting it can be. Um, just, just kind of enlighten our listeners a little bit, uh, on the training process, because I think a lot of guys fail to realize what kind of work actually goes into training a dog. You know, if you, if you don't own a, a hunting dog, um, and, and your dog has even more extensive training because your dog doubles as a service dog, but just talk about, as it relates to maybe duck hunting, what that process looks like. And, and maybe if you can give some insight into, I know it takes some patience, but if you could give some insight or some advice to a guy that's maybe thinking about getting a hunting dog. Yeah. So, um, when I started with Tracer, he was about a year and a half old. So a little older than your typical, um, retriever start now, but he had a solid foundation of basic obedience when I got him and a good understanding of a lot of things. And he had been exposed to a lot of environments and whatnot. Um, but my process, uh, with a hunting retriever is I always like to start with the basics, you know, um, a lot of rewards, positive reinforcement, um, and basic obedience. So they understand what a correction is, what positive reinforcement is when they do something good, they're getting a reward, whether it's a treat or a bumper, um, things of that nature. But then uh, when you get into a little bit more of the uh, uh, direct training, you know, so you'll work on holding objects in their mouth first. I mean, simple. We're not forcing them to do anything that they don't want to do, but we're encouraging that behavior of holding something in their mouth, which leads into, you know, more of a force fetch process, which is, I really like to do a pretty light force fetch, but the understanding of the pressure um, and how to get out of that pressure so that they understand that, hey, this correction isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I'm going to go through it. I know it's tough, but I want to get through it. So that would be just a simple ear pinch. They grab a bumper, boom. Um, pressure's released. They get a lot of rewards, happy bumpers and everything like that. Um, and then picking those objects up off the ground, um, collar fetching, which is kind of in with your force fetching process uh, to a walk-in fetch where you're walking alongside the dog, telling them to fetch, they'll fetch it off the ground and then shoot, throw them a happy bumper. Um, and then once you get through that, you know, um, all during that, you're throwing marks, right? So you want to be getting somebody throwing those marks for that dog, um, whether it's birds, dead birds, live birds, bumpers, any way that you can build that excitement for that dog. Um, and that's an instantaneous reward. Mark goes off, you release the dog, uh, dog goes and picks it up, brings it back, big reward, a um, lot of praise, and it's a lot of fun for both of you. Uh, and then you get into, you know, more advanced stuff, water training, uh, force to pile and handling and casting, um, which is a lot of fun when dogs are picking that up and starting to take the right casts, you know, and you want to start simple with that, just like on a place board uh, and teaching that dog to place on a place board and looking at you and you get to play you know, play with happy bumpers when they look at you and give you that eye contact, you get to flip them a bumper or whatnot. Uh, and then you'll have a pile of bumpers to your left and to your right. And then you can give them a cast. And if they don't like to take that cast, flip a bumper over there and say over, then go pick that, uh, that bumper up, come back to the place board and do it all over again. 
So it can be a lot of really rewarding training and a lot of fun for both of you. Um, and it's just consistency and repetition. Yeah, it's like anything, right? It's consistency and repetition, repetition. And it's, I think it, a lot of you hit the nail on the head. Like it's just, it's enjoying the process. It's taking, taking time out and um, enjoying the process and, and making it fun, making it rewarding for both of you. Yeah. And, and I think that process for the guys that have the time to go through it, right? Um, yes. A lot of guys don't, a lot of guys will trust the trainer to get it all the way done. But I'm like you, I, I was there, I was helping with the training and I was a huge part of the training with both of my dogs. Uh, with professional help, of course, but I was yep. always out there with my dog training with them as much and as often as I could, because that's also your time to bond with the dog and, you know, it, it, enjoying that process. Um, some of, sometimes it can get tedious. There's just like anything, there's, there's good days and there's bad days. Some days your dog just is going to be stubborn and just doesn't want to cooperate. I mean, that's just part of it. You still just have to trust that process and keep doing, keep, keep the positive reinforcement going. You've got to keep the rewards up and, and yep. when you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day. Right. Um, yeah. It and it's, to, call it that just chalk it up to a bad day and move on to the next one. Right. And sometimes, you know, that's the, that's the key is when you notice you're having a bad day is to be able to take a step back, do something and make it successful and then return to where you're going, you know, what you were trying to do the next day um, and just overcome those little uh, little milestones and reward for those and make, make note of those things. So I'm, there's a lot of great books, a lot of great videos and a lot of, uh, great amateur trainers and professionals alike that are, that are more than willing to help out a lot of training clubs that'll that get together, uh, weekly or multiple times a week. And if you can find one of those and get involved, that's the way to do it. Well, there you go. So, so far uh, in, in your, in your hunting adventures, what's been your most memorable experience with your dog? Uh, to pick one is, I couldn't, I've had so many, uh, just magical experiences to say the least. I mean, retrieves that I thought there's no way in the world that uh, this dog would ever find this bird. Um, I remember when I was going through a treatment program back in 2017, this would have been, you know, Tracer's second year duck hunting, my, our second year duck hunting. Um, I shot a wood duck and he ran his first blind retrieve and picked it up. And, you know, last year, we were in the timber and got to shoot ducks in the timber, which was fantastic. Uh, a really cool story was we were hunting in South Dakota on this little pothole marsh last year. And uh, there's a buddy of mine, his stepdaughter and my son, we we're all hunting and we had some birds. It was fairly windy. And but we had about five birds that were either still swimming a little bit or just had floating across with the water and the wind and tracer made five retrieves across this body of water um casting him handling him had binoculars out seeing where he was at and handling him to the birds and my buddy says how far do you think that was I said conservatively a couple hundred yards and he happened to have a pair of binoculars or a rangefinder in his blind bag 
and 318 yards. He did that five times across the water. Wow. You know, wow. he's just been an absolutely incredible retriever. I'm a joy to hunt with. He's steady. He's fun to watch work and he's willing to work and loves, loves his job. As most hunting dogs do, right? It's what they, if you, if you, if you treat them right and you train them right, uh, they live for it. You know, it's almost like they're just, this is what they were born to do and they, they love it. And I guess why I think I just get so much joy out of just going out and watching the dogs work and really are, you know, truly when they say it's man's best friend, it's, it's truly man's best friend. It's a really cool thing. So, well, Hey, Trent, man, I, I want to, I want to be respectful of your time and, and say again, you know, thanks for jumping on the show with us here for a, a little bit. Um, you know, tell people a little bit about what you've got going on for 20, the rest of 2022 with retrieving freedom Inc and how people can get involved with you. Yeah, so uh, our website's www.retrievingfreedom.org. Uh, we train and place service dogs for veterans with disabilities and children with autism. Uh, we're a nonprofit. We provide this service to our clients at no cost. Um, we operate out of Missouri and Iowa, um, out of two locations, one in each state, but we place dogs nationwide. Um, and we've got a lot of placements coming up the rest of the year. Uh, and we've got a lot of new puppies that are coming in. So we're always looking for puppy volunteers, um, volunteers and donations to help us operate and help, help these individuals that need it. So um, if you'd like more information, uh, check us out online uh, or look me up. Awesome. Sounds good. And just to show you guys again, you see the website here on the on the screen if you're watching this or if you're if you're listening, it's just retrievingfreedom.org. That's retrievingfreedom.org. You'll also on the website see the links right to the social media profiles. If you want to check them out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, it's all right there at the top right corner of the website when you get to it. Um, they are very active on social as well. So if, if that's a better place for you to engage, check them out on social. You can message them there. All their contact information is there. So I would encourage you guys, you know, get in touch with them. If it's maybe you're a veteran or you know someone who is a veteran that you could refer over, uh, send them their way. Let them know Duck Hunting Fanatics sent you over and that's how you heard about them. Just so they know that uh, uh, you guys are listening and tuning in and active and involved in our community as well. So that said, I want to thank our listeners for, for tuning in. We definitely certainly do appreciate it. You know, without you guys, we wouldn't be able to continue to do these shows. So thank you guys very much for tuning in. And Trent, thanks again so much, man, for your time. I certainly do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Everyone have a great day, a great night. And we'll uh, see you on another episode of Knee Deep in the Duck Blind. We are duck hunting fanatics. Knee Deep in the duck blind. If it flies, it dies.